Will you join me in prayer? Gracious and holy God, we do give you thanks for your reign in our midst, for the promise that your love rules supreme, greater than all our machinations, greater than all our plans, all our schemes. You come to show us a higher, noble, righteous way. Lord, we pray now that this moment of preaching might be true to your word, might instill in us a greater desire and a deeper faith to follow where you lead, that our lives might bear witness to who you are and who you would have us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In the first season of the iconic children's cartoon, The Smurfs, there's an episode that I want to draw a connection from to the story of Christ the King Sunday today. I think it's like the third or fourth episode of the Smurfs. Uh, The episode's called King Smurf. And in that very important episode, uh, Papa Smurf uh, takes time away from the village. You know who the Smurfs are, right? These are the little blue creatures. Probably many of you probably had them on in your home on Saturday mornings back in the 80s. Certainly they were on in in my home growing up in the 80s. Uh, And Papa Smurf was like the leader of the little village and they would all have these exploits every week. And there was was Jokey Smurf and Clumsy Smurf and Smurfette and Brainy Smurf. The whole little village, right? The whole little village of Smurfs. Well, in this episode, the Smurfs are working on a a dam to hold back the river Smurf, I'm sure. And, uh, but as, as they're doing that work, Papa Smurf has to leave the village for a while. So he puts Brainy Smurf in charge. And he says, you make sure they finish the work on the dam while I go run this errand somewhere else in the forest. And Papa Smurf leaves. And immediately, Brainy Smurf gets consumed with this this idea of having power. And he diverts people away, he diverts Smurfs away from working on the dam and has them build him a castle instead. And, and he appoints a, 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 a Smurf to be his guard and he, and he builds up like a little army of Smurfs. And, and other Smurfs kind of recoil at this and resist this. And you end up with a Smurf civil war in the middle of this episode. Like the Smurfs wage war against each other. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, what were we thinking on Saturday mornings back in the 1980s, right? But this is playing out uh, uh, on, on our screens, right? And there's this great battle. There's this great battle. They're throwing Smurf berries at each other. It's absolute chaos in Smurf Village when suddenly in the midst of the cloud and the storm and the drum of, uh, of the battle, Papa Smurf's voice raises and he says, Stop! Stop what you're doing! You're acting like humans! Stop this! Stop this! I learned later that that episode of 1980s television is actually based on a 1960s comic book. The original Smurf, uh, King Smurf story was in a 1960s comic book, and it was uh, a a much more pointed satire on on strongmen like Hitler coming to power and, and just... Uh, su- subjecting others and, 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 and doing away with the common good to build up themselves and their own riches, their own esteem, their own power base. So there's some depth to the story of King Smurf. And it gets us thinking, right? Try that experiment today with the kids to, 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 to get them to think, if you had power, if you were king, if you were queen, what would you do? What would you do? And it's there in all of us, right? We know noble answers. We know good things to say. But we also, like, well, yeah, but 
I'd take care of myself a little bit. I mean, you know, I'd take care of my family and those people. But, but there's something within us, perhaps human nature, to look to take care of ourselves, our own advantages. And, and, and that, can, that can become all-consuming. That's part of who we are, part of our story as people. Um, even the way we use the, the name king or queen. Perhaps it's because uh, this, this country has its own history being born from a revolution against a king. But usually when we even use those words, there, there's a, a, a sense of, uh, of self-aggrandizement, of, of building oneself up, uh, kind of removed from the people, extravagant over the top, the, the, the king of pop, Michael, Michael Jackson, the king of rock, Elvis Presley. These are larger than life personalities, right? We, we build these people up. Uh, big talent, yes, but, but excess, excess of life. There's something that we do well to acknowledge uh, when, when we encounter these stories, because I think for us, uh, and, you know, for, for, for modern Americans, for modern people, we, uh, we have a tendency to think that, that you know, the, 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 the strong men, the dictators, the, that our position in history post-World War II, post the Cold War, we have a perspective that others di- didn't have. But the truth is our ancient ancestors knew well uh, the, the, that, that thirst for power. They knew well what it was like when someone came to a throne, came to a position of, of power and just seized that for themselves. Uh, this was the age of emperors, right? In which Jesus lived. By the time the scripture made it into writing, uh, the early Christians had already lived through the reigns of some of history's most iconic, strong, crazy men. Emperor Caligula, Emperor Nero, these are some of the most uh, just mind-boggling, excessively wicked people that history has ever known. And the church took shape and grew into its own during their reign. So our ancient ancestors knew what it was like to, to see someone regard, who regarded themselves as, as greater than the masses, as greater than all others, indeed as a God in the flesh walking among us, insisting that they be worshipped, insisting that they be lifted and elevated above all others. And it's in that context, it's in that juxtaposition of that 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 experience of, of oppression and the experience of wickedness and, and, and evil and power consumption and the nobler ends to which God would call us, that we have to find that tension in the scripture, that we see that tension in the scripture. It's there in the words we read from John's gospel today where Jesus finds himself standing before a, 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 an official of the Roman Empire, Pontius Pilate, who was notorious for just being a, a, an oppressive jerk of a leader. He was the Roman governor over the area that included Jerusalem. Uh, he was uh, just constantly provoking the people, the Jews. He was just, just disrespectful to who they were and what they believed. He was a jerk. He was, he was a, a, a wicked man. And history bears that out in, in numerous ways. So we find this 
this, this ironic scene playing out. Where here is King Jesus, this, this, this man of peace and this man of justice and this man of God's love, standing for a Roman uh, uh, official, someone who's the embodiment uh, of, of holding on to power, of, of peace bought through violence. Uh, all these things playing out. And Jesus uh, is kind of being spiky with him and punchy with him. You say that I'm a king. Are you a king? You say that I am. I'm not, I'm not saying that I'm a king. If I were a king, my people would be here fighting for me. I haven't told anybody to fight for me, says Jesus. Christ the King Sunday. It's a powerful day if we would allow it to speak to us. Because what it does is remind us and teach us that there is always a higher calling, a higher law, a higher authority than the rules by which we gain, govern our lives. There is a higher authority of love and righteousness and true and lasting peace. There's a higher authority of dignity. There's a higher authority uh, of fairness. There's a higher authority of kindness at work in this world. And through all our stuff, and I'm talking about government on one hand, but office politics on the other hand, uh, family politics, just the stuff of life, because it's always the case that that gives someone a little bit of power. And there's that, there's that little voice inside us that says, Ugh, if you just had a little bit more power, I could do this. If I had a little bit more, I could do that. We find this playing out all the time, all around us. And most importantly, we find it playing out in our own hearts. It's to each one of us, then, that the good news of the Lordship of Christ comes. For there are people in this world, in this place, there are people gathered in this room right now who know the sting of power gone wrong, who know the sting of living under the thumb of one who says, no, no, yo, you exist to serve me. You exist to do what I say. We experience it in so many ways. Christ comes of a higher authority, a higher authority than the kingdoms of this world to say, no, there is freedom here. There is peace here. And if you want to worship me, if you want to be my follower, Christ says, then you will make this higher authority the work of your life. You praise me for being a king of love and peace. Then you work for love and peace. You praise me for being one who embodies the kindness and the generosity and the mercy and the grace of God. Then you go from this place to share generosity and kindness and peace and mercy and grace in how you treat others and how you speak of others. And it's so hard to preach on a day like Christ the King because the church has done such a poor job of living this message out. Because when the church got a hold of that power, they said, this power is good and we're using it for good things. We want people to love and worship Jesus. So we smack them around a little bit and we tell them that we're dirt and we break apart families and we do these things. That's part of our history. And we say, oh my God, Forgive us for being so foolish. Forgive us for falling prey to the same snares and traps and failures that Christ came to set us and the world free from. Christ the King Sunday ultimately is the invitation to worship Jesus. To worship who he is and what he does for us. Yes, showing us what's true and good and higher but empowering us too to be doers of those same words, to make it our life's work, our mission, our ministry, to share, to hold on to the dignity of others, 
to not seek power for the sake of holding it on and holding on to it and enriching ourselves, but to use uh, whatever privilege or power we have to let others be free and to walk on with the confidence that they are loved, that grace is active in their life, that they are blessed and have a reason to give thanks. The Lord is king. He is robed in majesty, says Psalm 93. He's girded with strength. He's established the world. He shall never be moved. Lord, your throne is established from of old, from everlasting to everlasting. We have a reason to sing today. We have a reason to worship. And because we have a reason to sing and a reason to worship, we have a reason to serve. We have a reason to do. We have a reason to work for the dignity of all, the hope of humanity, for the love of God. Thanks be to God for this love and this good news today that make us whole always, that give us our purpose and that establish our calling. Lord, thanks be to God for this good news. Amen and amen.